Ladies and gentlemen, the tiny DevOps guy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Tiny DevOps, where we talk about dev and ops and all things related uh, for small uh, companies and small teams. So I'm really excited today to have Ola Ellenstein, who is the author of a book that I've really enjoyed. Uh, the book has been out for several years, so this isn't the most timely um, interview, perhaps, but uh, it, it's still a good book, and, and I'm really excited to, to have Ola on today. Ola, welcome. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's it's an honor, and uh, I think maybe it's very timely. I don't know, sort of picking up where um, everyone seems maybe forgotten about the method. I don't know. <laughs> maybe so. So the, the book is called The Picado Method, and we'll talk about that here in, in just a second. But before we do that, Ola, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Um, what do you do professionally that maybe led up to writing this book uh, almost a decade ago? Okay. Um, I'm a software developer with passion for uh, working together with others. Um, I've been sort of trying or attempting to coach people on several sort of uh, layers of an organization. Um, technical coach in a small team, coaching several teams and, and also coaching C-level uh, roles. Uh, but over and over again, I come back to what I really enjoy the most, which is programming. And I, I think uh, it's uh, sort of the, the craft and creating something from an idea and then giving it back to the person who sort of had the idea and see how the reaction in their eyes when, when, a, when a problem is solved automatically for them. So let's talk about this book. Uh, the book is called The Mikado Method. Uh, do you want to introduce it? Uh, maybe what what the method is in, in a couple of sentences, and then we'll we'll dive in a little bit. Well, I'll, it's uh, that's it's a structured way of um, reorganizing your code, basically, and it's a strong emphasis on uh, experiments and visualization. Um, you start out with you want to achieve something. And uh, maybe that's not possible in your first try when you code and say, okay, what, uh, I need to do something beforehand, something that's in my way. Uh, you can also describe it as a to-do list on steroids. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I read the book um, probably 2016 or 17. I think it was published in 2014, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. I think so too. Um, and it, uh, I, I've used aspects of the uh, the, the method uh, in a lot of my daily work since then. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I don't so so it, it, there's a visualization aspect of writing a drawing a, a, a Mikado. I could you call it a chart? I think yeah, a graph or a, a chart diagram. Or a, yeah, yeah, a diagram. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't usually do that. I do that when I'm teaching the method to other people. But when yeah. I'm using it myself, I usually just kind of keep it visual, and, and, it, and it just sort of serves as a as a um, a reminder to keep my iterations short and small and keep in mind my next steps so I don't forget what I'm doing. Um, but do you want to maybe walk us through briefly, not not, so, not in so much detail that nobody has to buy the book, but in just <laughs> enough detail <laughs> that somebody wants to buy the book. What 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 does the Vicado Method uh, tell us to do? How, how do we accomplish this? Well, you, first of all, you, you need something that you want to accomplish. We call that a goal. And usually when i program i'm trying to sort of achieve it in the in the fastest easiest simplest possible way but 
very often something gets in the way. Uh, you need to move a method, you need to move a class, you need to move a library, you need to upgrade a, a third-party library or something like that. And then you're in, in trouble. And then it's very easy for you to lose track of what you're doing. So what I found is that I need to remind myself of what, what am I doing and uh, how am I supposed to get there is another problem. So I immediately write down the goal on a piece of paper or a whiteboard, and then I try to achieve the goal in the simplest possible way. And something hinders me, uh, I add a bubble or a, or a node to the graph, and I draw a, an arrow there. And then I try to, and then, then I revert the code or see what I, what's in my way. And then after that, I'm trying, I try to sort of achieve that goal and the, or the sub goal or a sub prerequisite, we call it. Mm -hmm. And after that, after a while, you're usually, most often I do this in my head, as you described, but yeah. after a while or sometimes it's, it's hard to keep track of, of uh, what I was doing. So I need to look at a piece of paper or otherwise I'm lost. So essentially it's a map over what you desire most in the world when it comes to, to your code. Uh, and it, it's a, the Mikado method is a structured way of exploring that map. I like it. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good description. How did you come up with the name? Uh, <laughs> what does the Mikado method mean? Uh, it, it's um, uh, the Mikado is a game. Uh, the, the the European version of the pickup sticks uh, game. I think it was it was under that brand. Uh, so we we were at a conference, me and Daniel, and uh, we were talking about a way how we how we sort of beheaded a software beast. Um, after the talk, uh, Laurent Bossavi came up to us. Uh, he's a French guy, uh, very in the, the agile and XP world. And he came up to us and said, well, uh, I see there's a method here. There, there's a, this, is, this is a structured way. Uh, and, and also you should, you should name it because methods have a name. And it reminds me of the Pick Up Sticks game, which is uh, branded as Mikado in, uh, in Europe. Okay. At least the early versions. Uh, so uh, we thought about it, and yeah, well, it's uh, it's a it's a good analogy because uh, the Mikado, the the emperor stick, is always at the bottom, and you want to sort of reach that stick and and, and get the high, get the most points out of it, so, so to speak. Right. So that's that's the sort of metaphor, the anal the analogy. Nice. Um... I've I've also I don't know I imagine you've heard of this if you if you follow the uh, the literature or whatever but I can't I think Kent Beck mentioned uh, a method he calls test and commit or revert yeah which has some similarities to the Mikado method what what do you think about that and and the similarities there well you sort of touched at it in the beginning here uh, I I really enjoy it um, it's uh, it's how I've sort of evolved to. I try. I, I sort of have a small micrograph in my head nowadays, and I do that. Um, I try something. If it works, I commit it and uh, sort of make make sure it works beforehand. Sort of run the tests or whatever I want to do, and then I commit it, and then I push it uh, to the sort of central repository using Git usually, and then I do another experiment, try that out, and. Which is a very that's the smallest cycle of um, of the Mikado method you you could say. So it's it's very similar and it's um, it's a style of programming that I enjoy them 
the most uh, and, and I feel very secure doing it. So very small Mikado iterations in my head. Uh, uh, at first, when I, when I saw them, I think Kent expressed it in a tweet or so. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. <laughs> All right, good. <laughs> are, are you a TDD practitioner? Yeah, I yeah. am. Um, from time to time, I'm very strict uh, about the TDD. And sometimes I do test after. Sometimes I do a big test, uh, integration test. But I need super fast feedback. Uh, I feel very insecure without the fast feedback. I, um, I get bored. I get lost. Uh, I need something to rely on. I need something to, to sort of rest upon. And that's usually tests. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about somebody trying to do the Mikado method without doing TDD? I mean, in other words, is it a prerequisite? Do they go <laughs> no. together, or, or can you do one without the other? Yeah, yeah, you can do the one without the other. It's not a prerequisite. It's it's fun though to see people getting the idea of small experiments. That's the that's what gives me the most pleasure when people's like they've been working so long, like four or five hours, and it's like trying to push something into the repository and then they realize but where <laughs> we don't know what we're doing yeah. and uh, I, I i i feel that way very often uh, too so but the, the revert it's it's so liberating it's like cleaning out your garage <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> whew, yeah. whew, i can't imagine like pushing that to the repository yeah, i'm very glad we reverted this yeah You've just uh, touched on a feeling I have had many times. I don't. I don't have a specific example, but I can definitely remember times when I've been working on something that led to something that led to something that led to something, and I have like this six different generations of change in my editor, yeah. and they're all live, <laughs> and I don't know which one broke the thing. Yeah, <laughs> I had that yesterday, but oh, I no. knew I had committed, and I reverted, and still the uh, the test failed. And I was so frustrated. It was like getting way past six o'clock yesterday evening. I wanted to go home. And then I was like, this worked five minutes ago. What? What's? Did another revert? I was like, no, no, you're in the reverted state already. And then I refreshed Eclipse. And I was like, okay, it was Eclipse this time. But I, Because <laughs> I, I could have chased that ghost for, I don't know, well over one hour if I hadn't had that commit. Mm-hmm. I would like to hear from you if you have some examples of uh, a time, maybe maybe on a personal project or maybe with a team you've been coaching where the Mikado method made a difference. Uh, do you have a story you could tell us about that? Uh, I, I have I have two stories. I wish Daniel was here to tell sort of the the best one, but I, I can try it. Um, it. It's it's not very sort of it's not a wow story really, but it's it's it just shows how effective. Uh, the Mikado method can be. Uh, Daniel and a, and a colleague, he was working at an internet gaming company, a poker company or something. I don't know what, what they were doing to. I think they were trying to replace um, configuration with the code or doing a, a, it was a huge restructuring. And they threw up the goal and then explored the sort of the Mikado graph, created the map, and then they rehearsed every step on the way so they were they had the map and they before they did the sort of the the most critical change or restructuring they had rehearsed it for well over a week 
and then when they finally did it they were so certain that they had done the correct thing so they were able to to pull it off in 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 under a day uh, probably a restructuring that would have taken them i don't know maybe maybe the same time to do to do but the in the aftermath was nothing compared to what you usually experience uh, when you do a, a huge restructuring or well over 10,000 lines of codes affected. And wow. and so, so that's a real, I enjoy it every time when Danny tells it and he tells it a lot, a lot better. Uh, but it's, um, I can sort of feel the, the, the mechanic steps that they're doing and they're just, it's just smooth. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, I, I know they, it helped them immensely, and uh, he also, I don't know, made a very good friend during that uh, sort of restructuring uh, okay. period. So this was on a. How big was the team that was doing this this refactoring project? I, I think it was just Daniel and, and another guy. Uh, okay. The team, though, was uh, between seven and ten, uh, but they set out to do this uh, sort of as a as a task force to do this restructuring. Do you do you find that the Mikado method works better when you're working alone or when you're mm. working on a team or or maybe both or just as just as good? The sort of the the steps that you want to take goes a lot faster if you work as a team, uh, and the visualization of what you're trying to achieve helps immensely because you know if you're if you're taking a step in the wrong wrong direction or the or the correct direction. Uh, when you look at the look at the graph, and say, okay. Am I going to decide to do this class, move this method this way or that way? And you look at the graph and say, okay, we're trying to achieve this. Okay, it's it's obvious what we're trying to do. So if I usually say if you want to travel fast, uh, you travel alone. If you want to travel over a long period of time, you travel together. Um, I think you can go faster. Uh, working with the Mikado method alone, but I don't think you're, you, you, it, it's, a, it, it's, it's not as sustainable. I remember in the book, you talk about using the Mikado method, or the, the chart, you could, you could almost turn each node into like its own user story or its own mm, yeah. post-it note to really parallelize the work as well. Right. Yeah. Assu uh, assuming there are no unmet dependencies, of course, on right. the graph, but, but yeah. it's, it's completely obvious looking at the graph if that's the case or not. Yeah. It's, um, I think if you want to sort of parallel parallelize work, that's how you should do it. Um, you're trying to achieve a, a sort of a bigger goal, and then you're achieving sub goals or, or prerequisites. Um, what's interesting, though, when you visualize stuff, uh, people that are not very used to programming, they they walk by the micrograph, and it usually sparks their attention. It's like, what's this? What's this huge thing doing on the wall? Well, uh, this is where we are now, and you can sort of maybe have a little avatar there. It's like, okay, that's me. Okay, what you're doing? I'm doing this. I'm. We're preparing for that. Oh, is it? Is it? Is that? That's why it's taking so long. But yeah, that's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but if you're willing to sort of negotiate on the sort of the functionality here, we can cut all this. Oh, let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, so you can. That's, that's amazing. I never thought of of Mikado in that regard. That you could use it as sort of as a negotiation tool with with stakeholders, for example. Mm -hmm. that, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, that that's one of my <laughs> uh, one of my finest uh, hours. 
I I saved a lot of money that way. Maybe even earned a lot of money negotiating with a product owner. I think it was seven, eight years ago, and it was super easy to to uh, to make a calculation of that. And we were trying to go live with a uh, with a, a special type of save account, so we could uh, work for a bank. Uh, at the time and we could sort of lower the interest on one account but open another account as a but the the sooner we could open the new account type uh, we could lower the the interest on one account and and having uh, due to regulations that sort of extra account and i said initially we well I, I, maybe we can go live in six months and then we had a conversation and it's like, okay okay can you can you guarantee this can you guarantee that I was like, no i can't but look at this and i sort of drew up the graph and said okay this is what it, what the code looks like today and this is what we need to do if uh, we sort of uh, we skip out on on this functionality i think we can go live in, live in three weeks and he was like three weeks are you kidding me he pulled out his hp calculator like ola do you know this is three millions three millions we can we can save three millions in, by doing that it's like okay well it's uh it's an easy decision then yeah it was nice that's great yeah so i i can see this being uh, a useful tool during say sprint planning if you're doing scrum Mm-hmm. And you set your sprint goal, and that could be the center of your graph. And then you can, mm-hmm. from there, work out. You know, maybe you already have some of the stories in your backlog, but certainly you can put them on the graph and really uh, decide how how you're going to do your sprint, uh, or if your sprint is, sprint goal is even reasonable in the time frame given. Uh, sounds like a really good. I, I'd never thought of it as a project management tool in that sense, yeah. but I, it sounds like it really is. It's, 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 me, I mean, obviously, me, it is when you think about it. But yeah, uh, me neither. Yeah. I, I remember when I realized this. I was standing at um, at a platform on the on the subway, and I was like, "Oh my god, uh, we can turn actual sort of user requirements or whatever into." Well, it, it, it sort of explodes into sub-stories in a sense. I was like, okay, I just need to tell someone about this. And when when I do, or when I, when I told people, it's like, yeah, well, yeah. But it, it's a list. But but it's not a list. It's because it has sub-requirements. Uh, uh, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So um, uh, another colleague, a friend of mine, he used it to uh, re-renovate his uh, old house. Uh-huh. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. How, how can you apply this to non-software projects? Yeah. So well, that, I've seen it. One. I've seen it applied to, or no, I haven't seen it applied to. I've seen it, heard it described, uh, sort of in um, by Sandy Mamoli, a friend from New Zealand. She did uh, organizational uh, restructuring this way. Uh, it's there's an interesting uh, story she wrote on a blog post. Uh, I can I can send you the link later, but yeah, she has very good insights in on how to do it in, on an organizational level. My friend he renovated his house. I've been planning parties this way, um, okay. and also big sort of I don't know tasks that seems to go on and on forever, and then mm-hmm. you lose track. Oh, why am I here? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that that uh, sort of that old piece of furniture that I wanted to do something with, but then you lose track. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of my first 
YouTube videos. It's a very embarrassingly low quality video, but one of my first YouTube videos is about the Mikado method. It was it was based on a, a presentation I did at, at the place I was working at the time. And uh, my, my promise to get people to come to my, my presentation was that it could improve your sex appeal. Yeah, I, I, I remember that. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> I think it's one of the, the sort of the, what do you call it, the bait and switch uh, tricks yes. <laughs> ever applied using the Mikado method. So <laughs> I constantly yeah. think about that. <laughs> I don't know if it actually worked for anybody to do that, but that was, that, like you said, it was bait and switch. Definite clickbait. Have you ever experienced, uh, whether it's individuals or teams, that have struggled with the Mikado method and, and why? Oh. Yeah, uh, the, the first struggle is usually in the revert. Uh, people do not want to throw away stuff. I've heard it uh, several times, and it's, it, it usually comes in the form of, okay, well, maybe we could stash it and reapply it. And maybe you can, uh, but it's, it's such uh, the thought process, it, it's what's hard, uh, I think, but um, the, so the first struggle is the revert, the trying to come over the the fact that hard work was put into transforming the code in or the text into one form or the other. I think the thought process behind it is the work, and then you remember it. Uh, the other thing is is the what do you call it? The in the beginning, I think you need to be very deliberate about the steps. And uh, you need to learn how to break down your tasks. Uh, from what I heard in the in the beginning here, the this recording is uh, that you 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 sort of do what I do. You do it in your head. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, you need to be very deliberate and about how to um, chunk your work. Mm -hmm. So that that's the two the two sort of big hurdles. Uh, um, people also tend to not want to, if it's a tool, if, if the micrograph is in a tool, they want to keep it. They want to keep the, sort of in a, in a data hoarding way, mm. keep the, the, the graph. Uh, but if it's on a whiteboard, it's a lot easier to just erase stuff and yeah. it's more, yeah. So that's the three big, the big ones that I've, that I've come across. And also... Uh, we can't do the Mikado method because we don't have uh, appropriate tests. We we don't know how to how to restructure. And I just like go okay. So how do you restructure today? Mm -hmm. And do they? <laughs> do they have an answer <laughs> to that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, they they just okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, well. We, you're, of course you're right. We we could use the Mikado method. Yeah. 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 Good. So you talked about tools. Um... What what tools? Obviously, you can use a whiteboard or a piece of paper. Yeah. Are, are there online tools, especially now that we're in this remote working, hybrid working sort of stage of, of the universe? Uh, what what tools do you recommend um, to, if you want to do this remotely? Uh, if you um, if you work asynchronously, if you if you're not online at the same time, you could use um, GraphVis and uh, commit your GraphVis files in the same repository as the, the code. Uh, or you can use, uh, there's an online tool. It's not very evolved yet. We're trying to figure out how to sort of make money out of it, but I don't think <laughs> we can. But there's a tool on the Mikado Method Info site. Um, mm -hmm. I can also send you the link to that. Uh, you can also download the tool. It has no real, the Mikado Graph has no real sort of um, 
memory uh, so uh, we, we don't guarantee that but if you if you run it locally it uses your web web uh, browsers uh, local storage so you've you've been uh, i don't know how long you've been doing the mikado method but you wrote about it almost 10 years ago uh yeah. presumably you've been using it for longer than that yeah i think um <clears throat> it sort of came into the <sighs> yeah well i think the the, the sort of um, the birth of the method was at that presentation that when Daniel and I was in Gothenburg 2010, I think it was. No, it was before that. It was maybe 2009 uh, when we did the presentation. Before that, we, we struggled. At least we had a practical problem. We came up with this solution or, or how do you, this method, maybe 2008. Before that, I, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, but it, it's, um, was it was way bigger the restructuring that we initially thought so maybe i've uh, sort of worked this way more or less since 2008 mm -hmm. um it, it has modified a bit since i i'm not as formal uh with the drawing unless i want to share it with someone or mm -hmm. i know this is going to take a long long time mm -hmm. uh, in fact there's I come to think of it on the back side of a whiteboard at work now there's a huge graph that I haven't sort of looked at for a while but I, I it's it's there it's there in my mind uh, I know that I'm, I can cross off I can sort of erase some notes there now but it's it's been running for two years okay okay what have you learned in the process and especially since the book has come out uh, <laughs> what new revelations have you had about this one of the big big things is um, how early decisions. This, this has more to do about code, and then I'll sort of hop into Mikado method specific stuff. But code lives a lot longer than uh, than I initially sort of expected to. Mm -hmm. Maybe this code will just live for I don't know three months, but it doesn't. It's like three years, and then it's five years. Um, but when it comes to the Mikado method, I've learned. Um, I've sort of got confirmed that how much I love visualizing stuff and and point at stuff when I when I talk about it. I, if it if it's not visual, if it, if I can visualize it to someone, either drawing up a picture in their mind or drawing up a picture in front of their face, I I have a hard time um, uh, talking about things. Um, so it has to be concrete in in some form and I, I think the mikado method helps me a lot there uh it's it's all it helps my it helps me as a person focus as well uh lose, lose track um so it, it helps me relax um and i also learned that uh talking about new ways of working takes a lot of energy for not for I, I can describe the Mikado method in, in a few few minutes, but actually getting through and getting someone to sort of get get the full benefits of something, you need to practice it uh, and, and really in a deliberate way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's true with so many things, isn't it? Just just yeah, <laughs> learning learning the rules to checkers are, are easy, but mastering the game can take a lifetime. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't, don't, I don't want to force some stuff on, onto people. I don't want to coerce people into 
uh, using something they don't see value in. And I think that's sort of a... Me, neither me or, nor, nor Daniel wants to coerce people in, into things. And you could argue that marketing is uh, sort of trying to convince people that, oh, okay, this, is, this has some use. But eh, so maybe that's why the Mikado method hasn't had a huge spread, or at least I tell myself that. <laughs> maybe it's not... <laughs> How has the reception been, by the way? Um, before we started recording, you were talking a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, well, it, it's 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 two polar opposites, really, uh, or maybe three. It's one that's that's like myself and other people. Like, wow, this is really useful, and some people it's like, eh, well, it's it's sort of to the useful. But I said, okay, this is very natural. It's, how can this even be a method? That's that's my style of working. I've yeah. always done this. I knew this before, long before the first demo tape. Uh, and and there's the other like aspect. Ah, why bother? Uh, I have my style. Uh, this is not useful. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's um, it's so in. in ingrained in in my work so i it's it's a part of my style so i can it's very useful for, to me it, it, maybe it's not even the mikado method any anymore it's maybe it's i've eaten up the mikado method and and, and become <laughs> it's a Nobody part else. of my uh, <laughs> of ola now i don't know yeah the 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 method is deceptively simple, and and I mean I, I've read a number of books that talk about something simple. I mean I'll even pick on Kent Beck here. His, his book Test Driven Design, uh, or, or te- Test yeah Test Driven Development by by example, mm-hmm. is an example in my mind of a method that that needs about three pages worth of explanation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and at the surface, you might think the same about the Mikado method, but honestly, I I, I enjoyed the whole book. I, okay. I didn't feel like one chapter in I was like, okay, now now I'm done. Okay. Um, of course, that's me. I don't know what anybody else. I can't speak for anyone else, but I felt like it was a, a benefit uh, to read the entire book. Yeah, it's not happy. a long book anyway, but but it was a nice a nice uh, thing to read. So yeah, I'm happy to hear that. I was going through the book uh, yesterday and sort of trying to see if there's something that I I'm not very fond of, or, but but I'm, I'm very glad that you say that. Uh, some of the critique that we've had is that it's, it's a long book. Uh, it's too long. It's actually just yeah, you can explain it in in just a page. Why is this even a book? Okay, well, uh, come to think of it, me and Daniel had a lot, long conversation about. It. We wanted to structure the book that so you can stop reading at any any minute mm-hmm. and have something sort of gotten something out of the book. And that's that, that's sort of how we wanted to structure the book. Uh, s- s- having said that, um, a sort of there's a hidden gem there, but it's it's very rough, I think. Uh, um, it's about technical depth. It's in the appendix A, I think. Uh, mm. Maybe it's not. Sh- it maybe maybe it's sort of a framing problem. Maybe it's not about technical depth. But it's about where change comes from. And I read uh, read that uh, yesterday again, and I really enjoyed that part. And that's usually how I talk about uh, uh, big structural change or changes with uh, stakeholders. So, okay, so now you're sort of asking us to do this, which has this impact. And uh, 
change that comes from the inside of a technical kind i know i know how how to deal with this i know how to sort of uh try to avoid that and steer away from that and that was the purpose of that chapter was really to to put people's attention to where does all this uh, stuff come from that's in my way all the time that's good so that that leads me to, to what might be my final question if you were to make a second edition of the book what would be different i think uh maybe more examples with dynamic lit type languages i don't know that's some critique that we had even though there's an appendix um i wanted to sort of point on this uh, sort of the the non-technical aspects of the mikado method how you can use it as a as a product owner or a, or a project planner or, or something like that and maybe it's not but there i think there's a follow-up book or at least in my head there is where instead of talking about just about software development it's something that i call sort of active stewardship active software stewardship where you go from a sort of function factory where you sort of develop functions to software system stewardship where you develop stuff where you maintain stuff and where you and when you retire code and data which is a, a sort of been a huge insight for me that if when i retire code and functionality uh, the rest of the stuff becomes simpler if we and when we add stuff it becomes more complex and i said okay what's the the opposite of that well it's a retiring code and retiring data so um, maybe um, there's something there about retiring stuff sounds good i'll read it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes we have one reader yeah that's fine that's great maybe you should write it i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah maybe <laughs> well Ola, it's, it's been fun um of course, uh, we'll have a link to the book uh, for anybody who hasn't read it and wants to, to get a copy. Yep. Um, how can people get in touch with you or, or follow what you're doing and, and find out when this new book comes out? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, they they could... Uh, I'm at Twitter still. Uh, it's just my last name. It's at Elnestam. Uh, I'm there uh, not a lot, but a couple of times a day. So you can you reach me through Twitter. You can also hook up with me on LinkedIn. It's Ola Elnestam. There's only one with that that person with that name in the world. Uh, you can also send an email to me, Ola at agile.se. And um, yeah, it's uh, sometimes I'm I'm busy, but if if you reach out to me, I I will certainly respond. To you. I love talking about code and the Mikado method and stuff like that, technical questions. Wonderful. Is there anything yeah. else you'd like to add before we sign off for today? No, uh, thanks for having me. It's it's been a it's been a real pleasure, and thanks for sort of being so um, very friendly. And uh, it's it, yeah, it's it, it's it, I feel a lot more energized uh, talking about the Mikado method now. And a huge uh, thank you, thank you. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, like, like I said early on, it, it's a book that I've enjoyed, so it's it's a real pleasure, personal pleasure, to to talk to you about the book. Um, encourage everybody to read it. Thank you for listening or watching today. Uh, until next time. This episode is copyright 2021 by Jonathan Hall. All rights reserved. Find me online at jhall.io. Theme music is performed by Riley Day. <laughs>